Welcome to episode 152 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week my guest is Anna Maria Lang. Anna Maria is running an organization to help fight for change for women veterans in Australia. She wants to build a community for women when they leave the service, and she created Women Veterans United. She shares her experience of serving in the Australian Army and what she is doing to help women veterans today. So let's get started with this week's interview. Season 3 of the Women of the Military podcast. Here you will find the real stories of female service members. I'm Amanda Huffman. I am an Air Force veteran, military spouse, and mom. I created Women of the Military podcast in 2019 as a place to share the stories of female service members past and present with the goal of finding the heart of the story while uncovering the triumphs and challenges women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Women of the Military podcast would like to thank Sabio Coding Bootcamp for sponsoring this week's episode. Sabio Coding Bootcamp is a top-ranked coding bootcamp that is 100% dedicated to helping smart and highly motivated individuals become exceptional software engineers. Visit their website at www.sabio.la to learn how you may be able to use your GI Bill of Benefits to train at Sabio. Your tuition and monthly BAH stipend may be paid during your training period. They are also 100% committed in helping you find your first job in tech. So don't forget to head over to www.sabio.la to learn more. And now let's get started with this week's interview. Welcome to the show, Anna Maria. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful and it's good to be part of the American Sisterhood. Yeah, I'm really excited because you connected me with Jody to have her on the podcast. I should have looked up the episode number, but I'll put that in the show notes if people want to find it. But you're my second uh, Australian Defense Force. That's how you say it, right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. And so I'm excited to hear a little bit more about, I guess you're the third because I actually interviewed someone way back. So the third Australian Defense Force member And it's just interesting to hear about how the cultures are different and how they're similar and how much of our stories resonate together. So thank you so much for meeting with me. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. So let's start with why did you decide to join the Defence Force? I'm a fourth generation veteran. My family have come from a long line of infantry. My brother was also infantry and deployed to Afghanistan. I wanted some adventure and to travel the world, and I certainly received that. Meet new people and make a difference in the world. Um, I'm very much about contribution and making a difference, and it might not sound like that's what you do in the Defence Force, but I think ultimately at the end of the day it's about peace and war leads to peace. So that's something that I'm really passionate about. And were both your parents in the Defence Force or just your mom or your dad? Just my dad and my grandfather and great-grandfather. So you were the first woman from your family? Yeah, yeah, I was the first woman. And obviously at that point, women couldn't go into um, combat roles. And I don't think I really wanted to. I respect any woman that 
that does want to do it and that does do it. But I just don't think that was the path for me. But I'm really happy with, you know, some of the choices that I made in terms of where I went and some of the, well, back when I enlisted, you didn't have a choice what job you went to. So that made things really challenging at some points. But I think my grandfather and my father and my great-grandfather would be very proud of me for what I've done. So when you enlisted, what year was it? 1996. And at that time, they were like, here's your job. Here's your orders. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, things changed. Thank goodness for that. So today's Australian military, you get to choose your career field or you have more control over it? Absolutely. I went in a role that I didn't choose to start with, but then I transferred into the Army Reserves. And when I transferred to the Army Reserves, I went to Defence Force Recruiting because I wanted to change policy somehow so that you did get to choose your job because I didn't particularly enjoy my job that I was given when I had no choice do it so so how long did you end up doing that job before you switched to the reserves four and a half years and you didn't like any of it look the travel was amazing there was some really good people you know there was a good side there's a good side to everything I believe but I didn't choose my job I was airborne so that was really intense and I actually quite enjoyed that to be honest even though it was really difficult I was very fit in my younger years and very determined and I think I really enjoyed paving the way and and leading the way for other women and making it a safe and good environment for the future generations. Yeah that's really interesting that you had no choice and then they put you in like a new role for women and kind of like a hard situation. Yeah, look, it was very difficult and we didn't really know what we were going into because I'd never heard of the role that I was posted to. And they said to us, because there was four of us that got posted there, four women that got posted there at the same time, this is the first women that have been in this role and here's your parachute volunteer form, sign this. So we're like, well, I'll do this or you have to be a cook. And I'm like, well, I don't particularly want to be a cook, so I really had no choice. (laughs) And that's take my hat off to all cooks are amazing. It just wasn't right and resonating for me. Yeah, there's a job for every person, but not not every job is for every person. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's right. Do you have any stories or any challenges that you faced in that time during that like new role of being a woman in a male dominated area or just any like fun stories that you want to share? I think it came with a lot of challenges in terms of discrimination, some harassment, some abuse and bullying and things like that. So that was really challenging and really hard and it did have an impact on me long term. And I think a lot of women who are new into roles like that, because it was a near combat role, I worked with the commandos, the special forces, the other special forces, the SAS. I worked with 3rd Airborne Battalion as well. So it was a very male-orientated environment. I think the biggest challenges were, you know, you're dealing with a lot of young men who haven't been taught often how to treat women the right way. But I think it's really important to understand that, you know, even though it was hard and it really impacted me, that it's part of the process to stamp that out. And nothing that ever happened was right. I'll never say that it was right what happened. But what it did do is it made I've made a change for other women and the new generation of women to come through and be able to be safer and be able to enjoy that job more than what I probably did. 
So you were able to make changes and give back to the next generation of military women. Yeah, I'm still doing that through advocacy. It can take a long time when you're dealing with an organisation like a Defence Force or the military. You've got to stick at it and you've got to keep going. And I'm advocating at the moment for change. So I'm using my story to be able to gain attention from people in places that can do something about it. Um, Because in my eyes, if one woman is raped or abused or harassed, that's too many. So I think it's really important to be about change, but do it in a positive way. So tell the story, but tell the positive side and be the solution, not the problem. Yeah, it's interesting that you guys are going through that in Australia and the United States sexual assault and harassment in the military is a really hot topic. And there's lots of things going through our government system and they're working to make changes and there's women advocating here. And it's just interesting that it's more of like a global thing and not a United States thing. It's very much, I think, a global thing because it's been usually a male-oriented organisation for a very long time. But people forget that women served in World War I, World War II, Vietnam, other conflicts as well. Um, but, you know, I'm working on changing the image of a veteran as well in Australia in terms of people think it's a male is usually a veteran. So we're advocating for and um, gaining grants for uh, statues uh, of young women veterans, like contemporary women veterans, looking at changing the image and websites and things like that. So it's all these little changes that make big changes in the future. Yeah, I think it's important to help women veterans feel like they're important or just as important as the men. Just because there's fewer of them doesn't mean they shouldn't be recognised equally. And they are a minority group and sometimes treated like a minority group. I think that needs to change a little bit as well where they become more prominent and known that women veterans serve and still serve. And there's going to be more and more and more over the years. So, yeah, that's why I created the organisation Women Veterans United so we can look after them for the next generations. Yeah, that's really cool. And I love that it's a global effort. And I think sometimes we can get in our little bubble and think, oh, I'm working so hard. And then it's got such a greater impact. It's not just in the country that we live in, but there's ripple effects and different organizations working together across the globe. And I think that it's exciting to see all that's happening for military women around the world. And things are changing. And we're modeling a little bit off the Americans. So you guys and girls are doing a great job of change. So we're sort of looking at what you're doing and implementing some of that in Australia, because often Australia is a few steps behind the Americans and we're trying to catch up. But we, <laughs> we're really looking at what you're doing and um, other organisations in your country are doing to be able to improve what we do, because in Australia, women have a little bit been forgotten the women veterans so we'd really like to you know raise the profile like I said before a little bit more and ensure that they feel included and in organizations that exist but in upcoming organizations as well 
Well, let's jump back a little bit to your time. You said that you you switched to the reserves because you wanted to do a new job and you started and you wanted to change policy. And so you started doing recruiting. Is that like getting people to join the military or is it more of an advocacy thing? So I was an Army career advisor. So I was that person that went to the schools, the career expos, interviewed people to help them choose their career path wisely, got them ready for their testing, their fitness testing, all those sorts of things. I enlisted a few people, so hopefully they turned out all right. I haven't heard from anybody. (laughs) And by the time, so that was like four and a half years later, did people have more control over what job they did and it wasn't just here, use your job? Yes, they changed policy. So I actually didn't need to advocate much because they changed it anyway. So that was really good. Then you got to do something that like helped people. Like maybe they didn't know how important it was to understand what job they were doing and you helped them in that process. So Yeah, I always like to feel like I made an impact and made a difference in people's lives. And I think I recruited out in the Western Queensland area, which is very country. And it's a bit of desert and things like that. So it was a lot of men in particular, actually, who wanted to go into infantry and things like that. So I feel like there was no jobs for them out there really or no way of getting income, but they also got to be part of something bigger and make a difference in a way. And, you know, they might have gone to fight wars, but they really have impacted humanity in a sense. So I really feel that what I did made a difference in the lives of people. So that's what, and that's what drives me. You said it was the reserves. Was it like active reserves or was it something that you did one week in a month? That's the way they do the reserves in the U.S. What is the reserves like when you're in Australia? So you have options when you're in the reserves in Australia. You can do one weekend a month, two weeks a year, or you can do full-time service, which is what I did. So full-time service is when I think it's you can work for 100 days a year and and it's tax-free money. You don't get your free medical and your free dental and things like that, but it's still really, you know, a good way to gain some extra experience if you wanted to join the reserves. It's a way to get to know some new people and with the reserves you have a little bit more freedom because you can choose when you work and when you don't work so which is a big difference going from the full-time army to the army reserves when you have autonomy or some form of autonomy that's a really big deal I think and a big change yeah so is one of the benefits of joining the military that your income isn't taxed well your income is taxed if you are in the full-time military but income's not taxed if you're in the reserves that's interesting yeah, you might want to advocate for that in America. <laughs> yeah, they probably wouldn't go for it, but that's really interesting. The educational benefits that the military gives in the United States is one of the things that, that when I talked to Jody about, they didn't have that when she was going back to school. And that's one of the things that I think is like the best reason to join the military in the U.S. It's just interesting to hear the differences because it's like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities and we have an American, it's not a base, but they've developed a contingent in Darwin in Australia that's an American contingent. I'm not sure exactly the right words for it, but so, you know, we are integrating quite a lot and I think because we've been to the same conflicts and supported each other in different wars, I think we learn a lot from each other. 
Yeah, and my husband, when he was first in the military, he went out to uh, Woomera Test Range in Australia, but he took pictures and he was like, there's nothing, like the whole way around. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> and that was like early into his career and he got to do a joint mission with the Australian Defense Force and it was really cool. And I know there's a bunch of other stuff going on between the different countries. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is good. And it's good to meet people from different countries as well. Not that it's happening too often these days, except for on Zoom. Yeah, COVID's not helping with international relations for sure. So I know that you deployed to East Timor. Yeah, so East Timor is a small country off the coast of Australia. It's on an island that has East and West Timor. And West Timor is the Indonesian part of Timor and then you have East Timor which was trying to gain its independence and they'd been at war and um, faced atrocities since before I was born. I was born in 1976 so it it all started in 1975 so it was actually quite a frightening, it was the first conflict we'd been to since I think it was Somalia and Cambodia and that was a small smaller contingent went to those I think in terms of um, East Timor it was a really really rewarding experience just to see in the six months I spent there the change in the infrastructure the people when I arrived they were terrified when I left there was some of them were smiling you know we were actually having an impact in the lives of the men, women and children in their country, you know, and going to, it was a conflict to start with, but then it changed to a United Nations project and the United Nations came in and took over and that was really good to work with the United Nations as well and learn a little bit about them and be exposed to the different cultures and the different way of doing things and the different way of life as well. It was really, I, I always tell this story about, the women of East Timor, and I think it might be similar for people who go have been to Iraq or Afghanistan, where there's there was a whole gap in the generation in the generations in terms of a lot of the men had been killed at, during the war and the conflicts and things like that, and so the women had to take over the businesses in in some senses, the politics. They weren't running the politics, but they had political groups and. Um, things like that and they were very inspiring because they told their stories of witnessing atrocities that were just you just couldn't imagine how traumatizing that would be but they were standing together as a sisterhood standing up to be able to find peace and to be able to find a way forward from what they've been through it's very inspiring it sounds like really interesting and a really powerful experience. And it's another piece of like history that I didn't even really know about. I keep learning history through doing the podcast that I'm like, that happened? Yeah. The Americans were involved in East Timor helping out. And um, I met some American Marines and some other Navy um, people as well, because a couple of ships came through. So they provided supplies and people on the ground and things like that to help with the infrastructure and and all that. It's a bit of a forgotten conflict, but it was a really impactful one for Australia because it was the first conflict we've really been to for a long time. And it has had a big 
impact on the mental health and the health of a lot of veterans because what we saw was uh, it was just awful what they had done to each other or not to each other but was done to these Timorese really but they were fighting each other and killing each other and there was atrocities committed and all that sort of thing and these Timorese were really oppressed so it was really good to see them gain some freedom. That's so powerful and something that I think more people need to know about so I'm glad that you got to tell your story so that more people can hear about that experience and maybe do their own research to learn even more about it. Yeah, I think it's really important to use the stories from the impact that each individual or even every military unit has on the community of a country that they're going to war in to save lives, to create peace. There's a lot of politics behind war. Uh, We all know that. But at the end of the day, what it should be all about is is helping the nation to rise up and gain independence and be able to stand on their own two feet. Yeah, and as we're recording this, it's July, and uh, the withdrawal from Afghanistan has been in the news in America a lot, and it's it's been really hard to watch as an Afghanistan war veteran and just thinking about the people and the culture. And, and I feel like, in a way, we let them down because... It sounds like it's almost back to where it was before we got there and all the lives lost. And I feel like you have a much better story because it sounds like you made a positive impact. But for uh, the Afghanistan war, it's been really hard to watch what's happened over the last few months. Yeah. Look, East Timor went through similar things to what Afghanistan's going through when we started withdrawing as well. But they're now standing on their own two feet. That gives me hope. Yeah, that's right. I think it's important to remember that every little bit counts, even though what is happening is not not right and not good, but every little bit still counts. There's still been lives saved, there's still been a positive impact, and there's still been some peace created. It's just we all have to hope and pray that it doesn't reverse, you know, to a, a state that is not good and and has there has to be intervention again. So hopefully they can be like these Timorese and these countries are learning to stand on their own two feet after being dependent on other nations for such a long time and I think that would be really hard for them but they will find it I think they will find their their sense of independence and belonging in their own country and feeling like everything has happened to benefit them and their future if that makes sense so yeah, that's a really good perspective. It's, I think it's really hard to think about, like, what is it going to look like in five years? Instead, it's just what's happening right now and not what could happen in the future and what hopefully will happen in the future. So that's I think that's a really good perspective and something that, as a Afghanistan war veteran, it makes me think that is really helpful to hear because because <laughs> I've just heard so much negative stuff and it's been really hard. Yeah, and thank you for your service there as well. Um, you know, it's important to remember that you have made a difference. That means a lot. Thank you. I appreciate that. So you served nine years and then you decided to transition out. What was the key factor that led you to, to, to leave the military? So the key factor for me was mental health. I couldn't sustain the pace because of the way I was treated. And I actually witnessed somebody commit suicide. 
and it really traumatised me and I got to the point where I just couldn't manage to live that lifestyle anymore. I had to make the change for my own mental health and my own well-being. So the transition was quite hard for me because imagine being a fourth-generation veteran. I was kind of brought up like I was in the army in the sense and then I went into the army and then when I'd left, I had no connection to it anymore. So it was really difficult for me to manage. And I think that can happen to a lot of people who are transitioning because it's a culture that, although I had some really bad times, there were some really good people as well. So you miss that camaraderie and that connection to people, the structure, the the way of life that has you feel like you are, you know, part of something bigger than you. And I lost a lot of purpose, like I, a purpose and direction. And, and that's why I focus so much now on my purpose because it's actually quite healing and cathartic to be focused on a vision and the future. Yeah, I think so many people get lost in that transition. And I lost my purpose when I left the military. So that really resonates because for I did four years of ROTC, which is college, and then becoming an officer, and then I did six years in. So that was 10 years of like having this purpose to serve the military, and then it was gone <laughs> overnight. And it didn't really hit me until it was gone. Like I knew it was coming, but then once it was gone, I was like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, that's right. It's it's a bit like that, isn't it? But I think there comes a point where you know you if if you can't manage it anymore, you really have to make that change because you need you need to be on your game when you're doing these jobs and you could get deployed at any time, which I learned from being deployed at last minute. If I could impart any knowledge, it's find your sense of purpose and your calling in life whilst you're transitioning or, you know, even if you feel like the military is your calling, find something that's similar that can still have the same impact that you were having while you were serving. Yeah, I think it's really hard to do, but it's re- that's really good advice. I've heard the analogy, I guess, of like when you join the military, that's your first transition because you're transitioning into being a service member. And then your second transition is getting out. And a lot of people forget how much change happens, especially like I didn't have any military background. So I went from no military to in the military. And then I transitioned out. And I just, I think people sometimes forget how much change has happened and how much that purpose has been drilled into you that you kind of have to go back to before you were in the military and think like, what did I want to do? Who did I want to be? And then you can figure it out. But we kind of start like, oh, we're getting out and I've learned all these skills in the military. So I should, but really you have to go back to before you join to find that purpose and that drive. Yeah, that's right. And I had, I enlisted like I said, for adventure and travel to meet people, make a difference. And when I was young, I always wanted to work for the United Nations. So by the time I was 24, I'd achieved all the things that I'd set out to do in terms of my career and travel and things like that. So, you know, I I must thank the Army for that. But then comes a time where you need to create new goals. You need to have, you know, a new sense of purpose and a new direction. And I think if you can steer yourself and have the right help because I I'm advocate for asking for help because a lot of veterans don't ask for help. Asking for the right help and direction, you can actually land on your feet quite well. 
I'm currently going through therapy right now and I've had a business coach for the last six months and it's interesting how much of the therapy is related back to the things my business coach has been telling me and now I kind of understand why my business coach has been pushing me to do certain things and now I'm like oh this is why I struggle in this area so much because of the therapy and so it's really interesting how connected they are and how much she's been helping me but now I have like the understanding behind why I need a little push in certain areas. And so it's been really interesting. Yeah, they say how you do one thing is how you do everything. So what's coming out in your relationship will be coming out in your career and with your children and with your health and all those sorts of things. But sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Like you don't know that you've got these things going on and you need somebody else outside of you to point you in the right direction or point out what's going on and they can see things that you can't see. Asking for help is really important and imperative to healing and to finding direction and having purpose and having mentoring at least to be able to rise up. And I think more women veterans need to rise up. I believe in America it's starting to happen quite a lot. I've seen on social media and things like that, a lot of women being risen up. So we want to do that in Australia as well and make women veterans feel equally as important as male veterans. So I think it's so powerful when women do start to stand up and share their story. And I have done over 150 interviews and I'm still like amazed every single time. I'm like, what the heck? Like you have an amazing story. Everything has been so interesting and different perspective and a different story to tell. And so the more people who stand up and share their story, the more people can be inspired And then it inspires more people to share their story. So it's a domino effect. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what your organization is that you're doing today. And you kind of talked a little bit about what the goals are. But if there's anything we haven't covered in that aspect, like let's talk about that now. The organization I founded, I'm the chair of, is Women Veterans United. And we are a welfare advocacy case management organisation and we're also developing support groups. And it's the first organisation of its type in Australia. There is another organisation that is about networking, but this is the first women's organisation that focuses specifically on welfare and advocacy and things like that. So the advocacy is for through the Department of Veterans Affairs and other financial pathways but it's also human rights and women's rights advocacy to make some change in the country towards a better future for all women veterans. So what we do is basically speak with the right people to make the biggest change we possibly can in the shortest amount of time. Having a ripple effect, leaving a legacy, we're thinking not just next year or the year after, but in, you know, 10, 20 50 years' time, there's going to be a lot of women who potentially could need some help. So we're focused on that. So, and I spoke with the Governor-General yesterday of Australia and he said, you know, it's really important what we're doing because there's a lot of women being enlisted into these roles but they hadn't considered necessarily what happens next after that, you know, 20 years down the track as they leave and as they go out into the world. So... We're hoping that we can be a place where they can come, these women can come to be able to feel like they belong somewhere, they're, it's safe and confidential. And it is an Australian-based organisation and it's definitely modelled of what the Americans are doing. 
So people like Ginger Miller and um, those sorts of organisations with the advocacy and the welfare side of things. So I got to go to Ginger's conference in 2019 for Women Veteran Interactive, and it was a really great conference. And it was the first time that I'd been in a room with more than just a handful of women veterans. And because I think there were like over 300 women veterans there when we're all in one place. And I was like, this is so cool. Like I could just talk to anyone and we all had the sisterhood and we could share stories and build connections. And I was like, this is the neatest thing ever. So it's really cool what she's doing. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand that this is about women and the sisterhood. It's not about being against men or anything like that. Like there's a lot of amazing men out there. And sometimes women can be a problem as well. So, you know, it's it's just about getting with like-minded women and helping each other. Whilst also to Women Veterans United is looking at helping other women rise up in terms of other women's organisations and things like that so that we're not, you know, doing all the work ourselves and we can raise other women up and to be able to make a difference and make an impact as well. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That's great. And I'm so excited that we were connected and that I was able to start this relationship so we can interview more women and share more stories internationally and not just the United States. So I'm excited to see what other opportunities come out of this. And I always like to end the podcast with what advice would you give to young women who are considering military service? Yeah, I like that question. I think it's really important to know you are capable and do anything you put your mind to. I know I would not have dreamed of being a paratrooper and being able to be as fit as I was. So I think the important thing to realise is that sometimes we have self-imposed limitations and I think when you lift those limitations, you realise how truly powerful you are and how much potential you really have. I think, you know, it's not just a physical thing, it's a mental thing and it is a mental game, you know, beating off the negative thoughts and being able to be positive and have positive affirmations. I would say choose your career path wisely. If you do go down a path that's not right for you, do what you can to change it because I think it's really important to enjoy what you do and be inspired in your role and move towards what you want as well. Do your research before enlisting to make sure you are suited. Um, I think a lot of women are trying to prove points and going into roles to prove a point rather than being called to that position. I think that doesn't last. So uh, I think it's good that you can prove yourself and prove your points and things like that. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is make sure you're suited to that role and it's it's your calling rather than doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, focus on a greater vision and what your service does for the peace mission. So I think you don't go into the military to really to go and destroy anything. You go there to create peace on on the planet, for example. And a lot of a lot of people don't see it that way. But I think when it comes down to, like I've mentioned before, the ultimate reason you're there is so that people that you're at war with people, but you're also creating peace for those people that those people have been hurting or harming so be prepared and be strong in body and mind I think is a really important way to approach things take the time to do the physical activity take the time to develop your mind 
and whilst you're in the in the infrastructure or the hierarchical system still maintain your own sense of identity at the same time where possible whilst you know embracing the fact that you do have to adapt and you have to be um, able to take orders and do the right thing and lastly I think ensure you speak to others and seek mentoring in the process and do it ongoing the thing that was missing for me when I was enlisted was the mentoring and people to help support to rise, raise me up. I was kind of felt like I was in it alone. So always seek mentors and people that can really help you to move forward and to gain the positions that you really want to gain, but do it in a way that is sustainable as well. So much great advice. I really loved how you ended it with all that great advice. So thank you so much for your time and for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. to this week's episode of Women of the Military Podcast. Do you love all things Women of the Military Podcast? Become a subscriber so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a review. It really helps people find the podcast and helps the podcast to grow. Are you still listening? You could be a part of the mission of telling the stories of military women by joining me on Patreon at patreon.com slash women of the military or you can order my book Women of the Military on Amazon. Every dollar helps to continue the work I am doing. Are you a business owner? Do you want to get your product or service in front of the Women of the Military podcast audience? Get in touch with the Women of the Military podcast team to learn more. All the links on how you can support Women of the Military podcast are located in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and for your support.